I have been fed and enriched by the word of the Lord and what it has done for me personally. And if you listen to any lesson, uh, all of them have been good, but you need to unpack this um, lesson on the thorns and re-listen and re-listen and re-learn. It is a absolute, it covers every one of the programs of God. It, it was absolutely amazing. I was thinking as Brother Hunley was talking about the RE program that God has, you know, redeem, renew, refill all the REs, and he just rattled them off. He is in the rebuilding, recovering, re and what a powerful understanding of the plan of God. And as writers talked about the mystery of God that was hidden and that was now revealed unto us. And I know, I, I really, as has already been said, I have very little, if anything, to add to what has been said other than, you know, now we have a few moments before they'll serve lunch. So I'm going to take up a few of those moments and uh, really talk about the gospel. And all of you know about the gospel and all of you have heard the gospel. And yet we, we do realize that Paul and, and as Brother Hudley said, is so intentional with his words when he wrote in Galatians 4.19, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. The gospel is indeed the good news. He was writing to a church and he said, yet, while you have been born of the water and of the spirit, you don't yet, are not yet fully formed in Christ. And that's what is part of our growth. And these kinds of meetings remind us again that we have to uh, be like Jesus. We have to be, you know, like Jesus. And yet, unfortunately, they confront us a bit with the understanding that if we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to be picked on. Because Jesus himself said, you have not chosen me, but I chose you and ordained you that you should go forth and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain and whatsoever you shall ask of the fa Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you that you Love one another. Now, unfortunately, what that means is if I'm going to have fruit, if I'm going to be a tree that's producing fruit or a bush that's going to be producing fruit, somebody is going to be picking on me. Somebody is going to want my fruit. Somebody is, and I'm not, you know, I don't want that. I don't want Christ formed in me. And yet, 
that has already been mentioned, loving one another is, you know, he said, I chose you to produce fruit. You can say the fruit of the spirit so that others would be able to pick your fruit. Whenever you are feeling pressure and stress and all of these things, we have got to make sure we genuinely love one another. And I understand that means that as Brother Hunley said, we have to be vulnerable. We have to be real. We have to realize that we're, we've got to, you know, we've got to drop all of our pretenses and be real. And so many hundreds of examples came to me because even the healing of the man with the withered hand and the Lord said, stretch forth your hand. Most of us would have put forth our good hand. I w- I, this one I've got hidden. I, I, I know he doesn't mean this one. The Lord didn't say, if you stretch it forth, I will heal you. He just said, give me your hand. And the guy didn't put forth his good arm. He stretched forth his withered hand. Oh, and the Lord was able to do a miracle. And yet when we look at this plan of God through the Old Testament and then through the New Testament, and I, I know this is a group that have studied the word and you realize that when the children of Israel, they were first baptized in the water and the Red Sea and then they had the pillar of fire or the cloud, which is a type of the spirit. And then they headed to the wilderness. And I, I realize that we don't like that kind of understanding. And, and yet Paul would say, you know, in Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And in Philippians, I count all things but lost that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. What I want you to understand is wilderness happens to everyone after you've been baptized and the cloud has descended, you will go through wilderness. Now you may say, I don't want the wilderness. I liked it when I got the Holy Ghost and the cloud was there and we were jumping and shouting and worshiping. But until Christ is completely formed in you, you will find yourself in the wilderness. And it's hard to keep Christ alive. That's why Paul said, I gotta remember to die daily so that Christ may live. Because my life starts to take over. Now I I know, and you may or may not agree with this, but according to what I understand, the children of Israel could have been through the wilderness in a matter of weeks and been in Canaan's land. And we talk about Kadesh Barnea and the spies, and we all know the story. And so what happens is they couldn't pass the test. So I guess the issue is how long will I stay in the wilderness depends on how quickly I can pass the test. 
Now, in Acts, you know, he talks about in the 10th chapter, he uses this verse. He says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healed all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Now, why is that important? Because we believe and know that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. The Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. He was born a child of the Holy Ghost. And yet, even Jesus had to be anointed with the Holy Ghost. Now, how, why would he do that? What was that all about, that he had to be anointed? Well, it was to be an example for us to follow. As Brother Hunley beautifully illustrated, a perfect man, a perfect human, no sin, and yet crowned with thorns. But he was perfect. But why would he go through the anointing process if he wanted to go through it and must go through it? How much more? Why do I need to have anointing two or three times a week, daily, hourly, sometimes every minute, is because I gotta keep Christ formed in me and my flesh, the dirt, wants to take over. You go back and you read, and and I know, we know the story. Luke, the third chapter, they were being baptized. And you can read in Matthew, and I I don't have the verse up there. It's, I think, in the third chapter or so. Jesus, when, when he came, John recognized who he was and that he was indeed a perfect individual. And John was baptizing unto repentance. So what did Jesus need to repent of? Nothing. And so John immediately said, I, I don't, you don't need to be baptized. And the Lord's response to Jesus, I mean to John, Jesus' response to John was, I suffer it to be so. I must needs be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. I have to fulfill all righteousness. Well, what righteousness did he have to fulfill? His righteousness? He was righteous. He had to fulfill our righteousness. Why? Because Jesus had to go into the water with his righteousness and then come out of the water And then the Holy Ghost would descend on him. It was a type of the children of Israel coming out of the wilderness when they gathered stones from one side of the Jordan and put them in the Jordan 
and then gathered stones from the Jordan and put them on the other side of the Jordan as a memorial to where we have been and what God did for us. So when Jesus fulfilled all righteousness, he took his righteousness into the water and he left it there and then came out on the other side so that when I walk through the water in my unrighteousness, in my humanity, in my flesh, and all the stuff that I've done, I don't leave. It's not just another bath. It's not a shower, but I pick up the name of Jesus, his righteousness, and my righteousness is left as filthy rags in the water. That's why he went through the water. And so they allowed him. And Jesus, you know, you, you go back to Luke and the heavens opened and Holy Ghost descended. And it was like a dove. And the voice said, Thou art my beloved son. In thee I am well pleased. And, and that's, you know, all of that is such an amazing. That's the same verse that spoke in Genesis. It's the same voice that spoke that, you know, cast Satan to the ground. That same voice now says, this is the guy. This is the one. And immediately, it was like the devil's mind was blown. And he said, if you are the guy, you remember? Because that's what happened. He immediately went into the wilderness. Here he was, conceived by the Spirit, he was baptized in water, and yet the Holy Ghost had to descend on him. You don't think you need the washing of the Holy Ghost? My goodness. And, you know, we know that he went into the wilderness and he passed the test, and Brother Hunley beautifully talked about pride, and, and you know, we always know the last one in the list is usually the worst or the greatest because there abideth faith, hope, and charity. The greatest is charity. You know, there are six things that are abomination, seven, double abomination, all of it. Usually when the Lord writes a list, he puts the greatest one at the end. And then he talked about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life. And we know and that's basically what the Lord passed that test in the wilderness. And Jesus tempted him. First temptation, self-satisfaction, the lust of the flesh, make these stones bread. Number te test number two, the lust of the eyes, the power, the glory, the fame. Look at all that you could be yours. You can hide behind, I don't need anything. I've got, I'm okay, I'm doing fine, I'm awesome took him to a high mount, and yet here it was. Jesus passed that test. The third test was just reveal who you are. Show the world who you are. Let everybody know who you are. Stand up. Just make yourself obnoxious and say, this is who I am. I don't do it. 
Jesus passed the test. He said, you know, <laughs> and he used the word of God. And we all understand that. And yet when you finish, you read in Luke, when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed for him for a season. And Jesus returned now, and it uses the phrase, in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee. You will receive power after that. You have been received the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost and power. And Jesus walked in power. Here he was a perfect man. And yet here he needed the anointing of the Holy Ghost. How much more must we have the anointing every service? How much more do we have to come and say, Lord, I want to tap into your anointing. What a privilege it is to be in your anointing. Oh, hallelujah. And so the first thing they did was they said, all right, now we're going to let you speak. We're going to let you say something something and you read the you keep reading in Luke and and the Bible says he goes to the synagogue and he taught in their synagogue being glorified of all and he came to Nazareth as he was brought up as his custom and he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day they delivered him the prophet uh, book of the prophet Isaiah he opened the book and he wrote he read these this passage the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Everybody say the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Everybody say heal the brokenhearted. Then he goes on. Deliverance to the captives. Deliverance to the captive. Recovering of sight to the blind. Liberty to them that are bruised. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And everybody looked at him. And his statement was this gospel, this good news today is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And that's what we're doing, 2023, 2,000 years later, preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel. The good news. And, and there are five parts here to it, actually six. And, and I, I could, you know, I know we have preachers that have preached on all of these and you've heard wonderful sermons on all of them. And I, I just... I, I don't have much, but just to remind you of the good news that is here. First of all, he said the good news to the poor. You know, basically what he was saying is you're going to have to put down your cup. You know, you cannot, you know... <laughs> You can stay in a state of, well, I'm not worthy. I, I've done so bad. I'm poor. Just give me a little handout. I'll never amount to anything. I'll never be. I, I had someone one time say to me, well, if you can pray for me and I would have the anointing of Lee Stone King. And I would say, we already have one of those. 
Get your anointing. But I'll never be, we've already heard it said, the weak things. He said the weak things. He was preaching. What Brother Hundley was saying was this is the gospel to the poor. Put down your cup. Quit begging. Quit acting like God can't use you. God has chosen you. You didn't choose God. He first loved you. Out of all the people he could have chosen, out of all the people he could have rushed around to expose to the gospel. What a privilege we have that we are not, we are poor, but God has sent the gospel. You say, you say, well, I, I'll never amount to nothing. Let me, let me tell you, you're the child of a king. I, I, I remember being amazed of several years ago, and maybe, maybe you didn't understand it. Maybe you didn't read about it, but, but I, I was reading this story about this guy who was unemployed and who... Um, the only thing he'd ever really done, he, he didn't make good grades in school, but he, he did okay, he got by, and, and he joined the military, and he, he had a, did a stint in the military, and, and then he decided he was gonna get married, and he goes to the most exclusive jeweler in all of London, and he asked for the private collection of the most expensive jewelry. There's no job, no means of support. And he decides, I want this ring. I want it sized because I'm fixing to get engaged. And nobody cared how much it cost. He was Prince William. They said, we'll have it. Huh? How, how do you deserve to go into the most expensive jewelry store in all of London and ask to see the private collection and choose an engagement. My grandmother right now is king. Soon my dad will be king. And one day I'll be king. Oh... I am so glad I'm a child of the king. His royal blood now flows through my veins. Oh, you don't know who I am. I'm not talking around, walking around like you're arrogant, but you have to drop your beggar mentality and you have to get rid of your ideas that I'm not worthy and say, yes, I know I'm not worthy, but you made me worthy. I'm a child of the king. That's the gospel. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. I know that sounds like the prosperity gospel. I get it. <laughs> and I know people have been hoodwinked and taken advantage of. And, you know, when I was a kid, I had a guy, Reverend Ike, that was on the radio. You can't lose with the stuff I use, you know, whatever. Sell something, send it in, and they, they die owning Rolls Royces and everybody else is kept in poverty. I'm not talking about abusing it. I've lived long enough to know. I'm not talking about sell everything you have and give to the kingdom. But what I'm talking about is a mentality that the enemy would like to keep you into feeling like you're unworthy and you're not worthy and you have no standing. And that is a lie from the pit. The good news is the king of kings has come. He went through the water so I can go through the water. He went through as anointed by the Holy Ghost so I can be anointed by the Holy Ghost. That's the good news. I, I, you know, I, I, I get amazed. You talk about well, what kind of prosperity. I, I'm talking about the kind of prosperity that says, I don't know what to do about a visa. Let's just pray. Amen. Wow. 12 minutes. Oh, it doesn't always happen like that. I know. But you know what? You know, it's kind of like the attitude of the three Hebrew boys, remember? They had read something that Isaiah had written a hundred years before about if you walk through the fire. You can read it in the 23rd chapter and the 42nd chapter. And so when the king said to them, we're going to put you in the fiery furnace, they said, we don't hesitate to answer you. We're fixing to be delivered. We're going to be delivered, King. I know you conquered our home. You took our treasures out of the church, but we're fixing to leave here either through the fire or we're going to be saved through the fire. I don't know which, but one thing I can tell you is you don't have a hold on me. Whenever my God says it's time for me to go, I don't care what the doctors have said. I don't care what anybody else has said. My father is the one that chooses when I leave. He's my father is the one that chooses when I get out of here. I'm father is rich my daddy is rich that's the good news and the next thing he said not only the, the gospel to the poor but he said to heal the what broken hearted He can mend emotions that have been so damaged. You don't know how my family treated me. You don't know what I've suffered. You don't know. I'm going to tell you, he knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Rejoice in the Lord. And again I say, rejoice. Oh, 
I know sometimes we can feel like, what's the point? I don't understand. I come through and, it, and I, I'm just praising the Lord at DCD, but I go home and I'm living in Mudville and it's depressing and it's horrible. But you know what the good news is? This is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness in the midst of my darkest night I can kneel down or find a prayer room and just begin to rejoice and remember oh I may not be able to remember much but I can remember I remember boy listen to brother Hundley on, on Thursday Wednesday morning in the middle of DCD and I felt such a feeling of release what a privilege I can remember and then you know what all of a sudden that Holy Ghost anointing that you have begins to churn again and you begin to realize oh I'm so thankful look at my and a smile oh has he changed my life no necessarily I haven't had the miracle yet but I'm going to rejoice I'm going to rejoice he's healed the broken hearted he comes to heal the broken hearted And then the next thing he said was to preach deliverance to the captives. And I know we, we immediately think about addictions and chains, but you need to look up the Greek of that word, deliverance. It's aphesis, A-P-H-E-S-I-S. Aphesis, I think maybe they pronounce it. Brother Hunley would know. He's a Greek scholar. But it's only used nine times in the New Testament. And every time it's used, it's translated as a whole different word. It's translated as remission or forgiveness or pardon. This particular verse, the interpreter said, deliverance but the other eight times they say forgiveness when we talk about you should be baptized for the re it's Ephesus of sins I understand when you've had an addiction you have to set up boundaries but I'm talking about the good news that can literally wipe it away. I'm not just talking about stopping the addiction. I'm talking about, he said, if you are captive, I am here to tell you, you can be delivered and it can be put under the blood and it never comes back. You don't, it does not have a right to bother you again. It is remitted. It is totally, totally done away with. You say, oh, you're gonna have to struggle. I understand, as Brother Hunley said, there's consequences to our behavior. I get all of that, but I'm telling you the good news is 
is that you can somehow have it all wiped away. The jail cell can be open. There can be total deliverance. There can be a total healing. There can be a total set free. You do not have to wallow in all of your addictions and talk about your past. You can be forgiven. You can have an anointing that forgives every sin, that washes it away, that wipes it away. And I understand the shackles that the enemy tries to put on people from habits and bitterness and resentment and in your mind and in your spirit and in your emotions. He tries to bind folks. But I'm here to tell you there is a facis for that. There is forgiveness for that. It's the good news. It's the good news. And I know most of us, I'm going to tell a parable now. Is that okay? It's not really real, but <laughs> makes for a good story. Had a lady come to me for counseling and very distraught. She was raised in a Horribly abusive home. People talked down to her. They were angry. They said things about her. They belittled her. They made her feel horrific. They were abusive. They, you name it, they did it. And one day, this wonderful man came by and asked her to marry him. And she got married and he was kind and loving and he encouraged her and he would speak sweetly to her and he would build her up. Tell her how beautiful she was. Tell her how amazing she was and do all these wonderful things. And yet, when he would get up and be gone, she would feel so bad that she would return to her home and get out the picture of her family and allow them to begin abusing her again and again. They would belittle her talk bad to her, make fun of her, tell her how unworthy she was, how she would never amount to anything. Pastor, what should I do? That was the question. My short answer was, quit going home. but they're the ones that birthed me. You're going to have to stop. And I realized there are a lot of people that are born again that do the same thing. 
they come to DCD and they feel the love of God and the Lord speaks sweetly to them and the Lord wraps his arms around them and he says I want to deliver you from where you've been I want to set you free from the mindset I want to deliver your thoughts I want to deliver your heart your emotions I want to deliver your thinking I don't, don't go back there don't listen to that voice anymore I love you you are beautiful you are worthy I've chosen you you didn't choose me don't go back and listen to that I'm here to tell you how much I love you don't go there I'm telling you one day he delivered me from that voice of the accuser I don't have to listen to that junk anymore I've been set free I've been set free I've been set free Oh, but they're the ones that have been talking to me for 20 years. It's time to start listening to a new voice. The good news is, huh, got a couple more. You can spend more time than this on them. I'm going to close here. I know we're facing, uh, go ahead, number four. You may be seated. What was number four on the list? The recovering of the sight to the blind. He said, some of you are so blind to what God can do for you. I'm sorry. What good is it gonna do to have everybody pray for God to move through the Immigration Bureau at DCD? Are any of you all U.S. immigration officials? Stand now or forever keep your seat. Ah, just what I thought. I'm sorry, but it won't do any good. You're blind. How's this gonna help my marriage to spend three days going to church how's it going to help my home situation to get up and read the bible every day what's it going how's it going to be a blessing for me to give in the offering plate whenever it comes by is that going to make me richer you're blind you just don't know how God works. You heard it this morning. He uses that space of weakness to allow his supernatural to fall down into that. Whenever you are able to say, I can't do it anymore. I am not able. That's whenever he begins to step in and say, with God, all things are possible. And Paul wrote in Ephesians that your eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling let me tell you what God is hoping for that we make it all the way if he's hoping for that guess what he's going to give me the power to make it and Moses I don't care whether you can speak right or not if God calls you 
the weakness and what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. And let me tell you how powerful his power is. His power was so powerful that somebody who had been dead not one day, not two days, not that was mostly dead, but that was all the way dead, three days in the ground, raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name, go ahead, that is named not only in the world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all the things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. When you don't realize how important the church is, how important your local church is in your life, you are blessed. And I've seen so many people that say, well, I'm the church. I don't need the body. You're blind. Mostly you have another agenda you don't want to support or you don't want to be called on. Or, but you will be blinded by your own ideology because you think you have some great word that nobody else has oh God help us the, the good news is just very simple folks I, I, I reach to you because I don't want you to forget the simplicity that is Christ and then the last one and I know he said to set at liberty to the bruised you know if you've ever been bruised if you've ever suffered a bruise you know what it is you kind of baby that bruise if you step on a stone your foot has a bruise you kind of walk a little gingerly I don't want to put too much weight on that you know I bruised my hand I, and a lot of people get beat up and they uh, you don't understand. I tried. I just tried to live for God. And another pastor beat me up, and somebody else in this church beat me up, and somebody else took advantage, and they hurt me. I've heard those stories, and they're real. I'm not. They're not. They're not fake. I'm not saying that it's just that there's nothing to them. But what I'm telling you is the good news is. He is able to bring you a freedom in the places where you've been wounded. I can't trust anymore. I can't open myself up anymore. I've been too hurt. I've been too done bad with. Let me tell you the good news. What Jesus said to set at liberty those that are bruised. In fact, in Matthew, he said, a bruised reed shall he not break and smoking flax shall he not quench till he send forth judgment unto victory. If you've been beat up,
up by life or the enemy or wounded by situations and circumstances I'm here to tell you the good news is you can be set free you can be set free he wants to love you again he wants to baptize you again he wants to fill you again he wants to anoint you again he wants to touch you again don't allow what happened in the past to keep you from letting him touch you and from opening yourself up to the good news the gospel and the last one is not a slide for it but to preach the acceptable year of the Lord what is that? That's the 50th year jubilee. All debts are forgiven. Everything is, goes back. The Lord did not add the next part of the verse in Isaiah, which is the day of the vengeance of our God. There'll be a time for that. Right now, we're living in the gospel the acceptable year of the Lord. I'm here to tell you in one moment he is able to forgive every sin. He is able to heal, forgive every debt. He is able to do what no. You, you may, I, I know you can have a list of all the things you've done. All the things that have happened. All the things that you know life has stolen from you. All the times you've been beat up. All the moments the times that the enemy has tried to bind you, your thoughts, your mind, your... But I'm here to tell you the good news. The good news is this is the acceptable year of the Lord. This is Jubilee. And I know we celebrate it sometimes, you know, our church, we've been here 50 years or we've been in existence 50 years. Every year! Jubilee. Every year is Jubilee. Every year is Jubilee. Let's stand. Let's thank the Lord for the gospel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you want to worship, come. The dance floor is open. I like that, Sister Lee.